Well, it's a, it's a pleasure uh, to introduce my friend, George Witten, even though he roots for the Ravens. Um, I, told, I told George this morning that I'm no longer going to introduce him as an Israeli. I'm going to introduce him as a Baltimorean. But uh, George has a wonderful, um, is it a website? Is it a podcast? I don't know what it is. It's called Worthy News. And if you haven't signed up for Worthy News, you have to sign up for it before the day is over. Um, I sign up for it. I get it every day. That um, is probably one of the best places that I go to every morning to find out what the world is really, what's really happening in the world. Because I don't trust any of the U.S. news agencies. And so um, I want you to uh, not only welcome George, but I want you to, uh, in your heart, pray with me as I pray for him. Avinu Malkeinu, our Father and our King. Dad, this is my brother mm-hmm. and my friend. His work is valuable. Mm-hmm. His time is uh, too short for everything that he needs to do. And so, Lord, this morning, in the time that you have for him, would you please have him speak words that will educate, speak words that will encourage, maybe speak words that will even change hearts in this sanctuary this morning. Mm-hmm. I pray, Lord, that this last two weeks of their time in in the United States will be filled with divine appointments. I pray, Lord, that they'll touch hearts with their Mm. news and their worship. And I thank you for their being here today. Mm. Bless them from the top of their heads to the bottom of their feet. B'Shem Yeshua Meshichenu. Let us all say together. Amen. Amen. Please welcome George. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm a true... Baltimore on. I'm wearing my colors. I wear my colors. Unlike some people, just saying. <laughs> so anyway, um, my name is George Witten. I run a site called Worthy News. Worthy News was found in the verse, watch ye therefore and pray always and may be found worthy to escape these things. So the first portion of that is about being a watchman. The, you know, the ancient Hebrew word for watchman is notzrim. It's the same modern word for believer in Israel, right? And you have to understand that we're called to blast the shofar and warn that judgment is coming. That's what our calling as a watchman. The next thing to pray always, well, if you don't know what's happening, how can you effectively pray? So what we do is we read through about 2,500 headlines a day, and I basically cut it down to 12 or 15 headlines a day. So you basically have your prayer points for the day. And then finally, that we may be found worthy. How many realize the Lord's coming back really, really soon? You see, this map here tells us we're really, really soon. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, they've been talking about wars and rumors. Or they've been talking about all these things for 2,000 years. How do you know we're so close? Well, Yeshua said, when you see the fig tree, which is a, a, a symbol of Israel, when you see a fig tree bear forth the leaves, know that summer's near. He didn't even say anything about fruit. This is leaves bearing forth. That's how we know we're really, really close. Now, before I get into what I believe is happening, I have to give everyone an understanding. I do not believe it's the end of the world. It's the beginning of the kingdom. Okay? And a lot of things, when you start talking about prophecy, a lot of people start getting a little freaked out. I'm going to go ahead and t- I have to give everyone an understanding where I'm coming from. You know, when Yeshua came, he said, I must preach the kingdom of God, and it was for this purpose I've been sent. The message that Yeshua came and the apostles came was the message of the kingdom. You know, when Yeshua rose again from the dead, right, he, was, he presented himself for 40 days. What was he doing for 40 days? He was presenting the kingdom, 
right? The very last verse of Acts was Paul proclaiming the kingdom, right? So the beginning of Acts, the end of Acts is about the kingdom. Guess what? The message is about the kingdom, right? And the message of the kingdom always began with the word repent. Repent, therefore, right? Now, I love preaching out this particular passage because it gives you the twofold understanding of repentance. First, Repent that your sins may be blotted out. There is a repentance that we turn to God, that we realize that we cannot save ourselves, that our sins are too great, and that, that the Lord provided for us a lamb. The lamb of God from the foundation of the world, Yeshua died for us, and through him we have forgiveness of sin. That, that your sins may be blotted out. There's a repentance. They turn to God that your sins may be blotted out. But then there's also this understanding so that there may come seasons of refreshing. That word refreshing is revival. Right? I don't live every day repenting to get saved every day. I know the day I got saved. But I know that I have to live in a state of repentance so I may live in a season of revival all the time. You know, we don't talk about every revival I ever studied. Always the focus was repentance. And now this is a taboo word. We have to understand that this is how revival comes. That then we come the season of refreshing. Now, verse 21. Whom heaven must receive, talking about Yeshua, to the times of the restoration of all things. That God is restoring everything. Now notice here, where, where God spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets. The message of the kingdom is not really found in the Brit Hadashah. The message of the kingdom is actually found in the Tanakh. In the Old Covenant. When Yeshua and the disciples preached the message of the kingdom, there was no Brit Hadashah to teach out of. Where were they teaching the message of the kingdom from? From the Tanakh. Okay? Now, this passage here in Matthew 19, I'm sure I say to you, in the regeneration, this is one of the few times this is used in the scriptures. It's only used three times in the entire New Testament. It is the word panangonese, it means return to Genesis. Right? Now, you're going to understand something that you're going to understand, ready? The end from the beginning. If you really want to understand Revelation, really want to understand the last days, you really have to study Genesis and Exodus. Because the message of the kingdom is buried inside of that. In Isaiah it says, the, the leopard shall dwell with the lamb. Right? It talks about the, the, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. It talks about the young, the, uh, the, uh, oh, the leopard shall dwell with the young goat. It talks about a child playing with snakes. Okay? Now get this. What we're talking about is the restoration of the animal kingdom. When we talk about the restoration of all things, and God's restoring everything that was lost in Genesis, part of that restoration is animals, right? When, when, when Adam named the lion, he wasn't worried about getting eaten, okay? There's some people that say, we're in the kingdom now, right? And, and, and in some respects, that's true, right? If you truly are born again, the kingdom of God is within you. Right? But we pray the Lord's Prayer all the thy will be done, thy kingdom what? Come. It ain't here yet. For those that say that we're in the kingdom now and they refuse to understand these things, just tell them to go to the zoo, jump into the lion's cage. He will be in the kingdom today. Just saying. Okay. Now, very happy about this. And Zephaniah says, I will turn to the peoples a pure language. That they may call upon the name of Jehovah to serve him with one consent. Ready? In the future, ready? We're all going to speak a common language. There's no translation. If you are a translator, you've lost your job in the kingdom. What we're talking about, ready, is a time before Babel. You see, we read in Revelation 17, 18 that God is going to destroy Babylon. Right? He's going to destroy that whole system that separated us. 
In the future, right, we will all understand one another. I love this idea. You know, I've been married 17 years. I can't wait. My wife will finally understand me in the future. Just saying. Anyway, so you have to understand that God's restoring everything. Now, part of the God's plan is restoring people from everywhere. He's restoring people from every tribe and language and people and nation. That God's plan of restoration is restoring people from everywhere. And part of this, right, is to make them a kingdom and priest for our God. That was the original intent for our creation, right, was to create a peoples that would worship God, right? Now it says they shall reign on what? In heaven? No, it says reign on the earth. Why? In Genesis 1, we read that God told Adam, I will give you dominion. Over the earth. God's restoring everything back. Now, there is a new heavens and a new earth. That that is after. But that doesn't negate the fact that he's coming back for a thousand years. It doesn't negate the fact that we are going to reign on something. That that God's restoring dominion back to us. This is the original intent for Israel, right? They should be a kingdom of priests. And now if you're in the Messiah, right, you're part of this royal priesthood. You see, God's creating for himself a people. See, we were once outside, Outside of all these covenant promises, but now you're, now you're part of God's people. Now, some people say, ready, that the Gentiles have replaced the Jewish people. That there's no place for them. That's not what the Bible talks about at all. What God is in the business of doing is restoring what was lost. Ready? For Gentiles, right, it, it, they were once outside of all the promises. What do we read in Genesis? We read, Abraham was a father of what? Many nations. Not a nation, nations. That the promises, the promises through Abraham were to spread out to every tribe, nation, and tongue. If you believe, right, that you're called Abraham's seed, right? What is he talking about? Well, he's talking about restoring back Gentiles who were outside of all the promises. Now they have access to the promises of Abraham. It talks about that he might create himself one new man. He's not trying to separate us. He's trying to unify us. And through the Messiah, right, he's reconciled us to God in one body through the Messiah, right, in one spirit so that Gentiles are not replacing Jewish people. Gentiles are being restored back to being. They were once outside of everything and not brought into this. Now, the interesting thing about this in chapter 5, it says, look, this mystery of the Gentiles being restored was not made known to other generations in verse 5. And what was the mystery? The mysteries are that Gentiles are not sole heirs, they're fellow heirs. They were once outside of inheritance and now are brought into the inheritance. And this plan of mystery in verse 9, this plan of mystery was hidden in ages before God. That through the church, right, through the Gentiles, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. Ready? Get this. The restoration of the Gentiles back into the promises of Abraham wasn't even made known to the angels and principalities. Look at this. That may be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. The angels, right? If the angels didn't quite understand how great God's plan of restoration was, we can have a little bit of mercy for those out in the body of Messiah that don't quite understand this yet. Now, if God is restoring people from every tribe, nation, and tongue, then God's got a plan for Israel, duh. Yeah. I mean, why would he have forgotten? The... So look, in, in, verse, in, verse, uh, in Acts chapter 1, the, the disciples said, Lord, is this time to restore the kingdom of Israel? He says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. Where are we? We realize in Romans 11, it says, look, blindness in part has happened to Israel until what? Until the fullness of the nations have come in. That God's at work restoring the nations, and then, then what happens? And then all of Israel gets saved. 
Well, a lot of people say to me, how is Israel going to come to salvation? Well, look, if you had a vision of Yeshua, wouldn't you believe? Right? And they shall look upon me, and I'll pour upon the house of David, and upon the house of Jerusalem, and the spirit of grace, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Right? What is he talking about? He's talking about a vision of Yeshua. Now, what happens if they, believe, if they die without the Messiah right now? Well, guess what? Yeshua said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Ready? There was not a Gentile present. There's not another covenant way in. We all come in through the same way. Right? Now, where are we prophetically with the Jewish people? The Jewish people right now are at the physical restoration. And Ezekiel, it's 37, when he talks about these things, talks about, look, there was bones together, flesh upon them. But notice this, there was no breath in them. There's no spirit in them. Right? There's a lot of people that say that the, the Jewish people back to Israel is the restoration of Israel. It is not yet. We're only halfway through. Because now we realize in verse 14, and I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. And then you shall know. So right now we're waiting the spiritual restoration of Israel. Right now we are seeing these things play out. And so now that we're talking about prophecy, my understanding of prophecy is that God's got a plan. He's got a plan of restoring people back to all the promises that everyone, every nation, tribe, and tongue has a promised inheritance through the Jewish Messiah that all these things are going to be working out. God has got a plan. He is not trying to destroy us. He's trying to redeem us. Okay? It's not the end of the world. It's just the beginning of the kingdom. See, prophecy is for upbuilding, encouragement, and comfort. You actually should be comforted to understand what is happening. So you're going to hear about wars and rumors of wars, right? But notice what it says here. See that you're not troubled. If you're freaking out, that means you're breaking a commandment of Yeshua. Okay? Now, look, we're going to hear about these things. Now, before I get into this, I have to give you an understanding that, that history, we hear the saying, history repeats itself, right? Well, you have to understand the reason why that happens is because God, when he pr- presents to us, he gives us an understanding of everything in a cycle. For example, we live in a daily cycle, right? There's 24 hours in a day. Tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon at, or tomorrow afternoon, 1230, it'd be tomorrow afternoon, right? That's a daily cycle. There's seven days in a week. That's a weekly cycle. There's 29, 30, 31 days, whatever, in a monthly cycle, right? So there's cycles. The reason why things tend to repeat themselves is because we're actually living in a cycle, okay? Now, I'm going to give you a modern day understanding of events, right, that everyone, well, most everyone was alive for, Okay. Because things are kind of re- repeating themselves. Okay, I want to take you back with me to 1980. Now, in 1980, I'm going to confess that I was eight years old, nine years old. That means I'm only 48. I've turned 49 this year. Why do I say that? Well, my wife says, you need to tell people how old you are. Otherwise, they think you're robbing the cradle. Look, I realize my wife is 27 and holding fine, you know. I will say this. My hair did not turn white until I got married. Just saying. But 1980 was a very unique year. We had a very unique election, right? There was a man running for office, right? His name was Ronald Reagan. He made his living as an actor. People said, you can't have an actor running the country. He didn't really talk like politicians spoke, 
right? I mean, he said in 1983, the Russians are the evil empire. You can't call people evil. That's not politically correct, right? In 1987, he's in Berlin. He says, Gorbachev, tear down this wall. He's trying to start a nuclear war. He wants more money for nukes. Are you crazy? I grew up under the Cold War, right? I grew up with the mentality that, you know, there was a TV, uh, like uh, MTV was like a, a big thing when I was growing up. And they had a video. And the video was Ronald Reagan. The Land of Confusion was the video. And it's a puppet of Ronald Reagan. At the end of the video, right, he's got two buttons, a nurse button and a nuke button. He hits the nuke button. And the world blows up. Right? So there's this whole mentality I grew up under that everything was about a nuclear war. I mean, every movie, it seemed like in the 1980s, was about stopping a nuclear war. Now, if you had allowed the media to dictate your prayer life, and you allowed the media to start influencing how you are to be, you could have grown up with the fear mentality. You could have grown up saying, oh, Lord, Lord, please don't let me die in a nuclear blast. And God, you know, you, you really hate those Russians. They're the evil empire. And you could have grown up with the wrong mentality because God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and a sound mind, right? He's given us an understanding of the kingdom. The kingdom message is to restore people from everywhere. You could have grown up in the 1980s understanding what was happening and said, Lord, you love the Russians. Would you send revival into Russia? Lord, Lord, you love the Polish people. Would you send revival into Poland? Lord, Lord, you love the Czechoslovakia. Would you send revival into Czechoslovakia? A very strange thing happened in 1989. I was graduating high school. There was no fanfare. There was no big event. I, I think really what happened was some guy had chutzpah. Now chutzpah, and, and it, 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 to make it explain it like this, chutzpah is like, I can't believe he did that, but he did. That's a layman's term, right? I think some guy walked up and said, I'm taking a brick off this wall. And some other guy said, no, I got more chutzpah than you got and took two bricks off of it. We woke up when the Cold War was over. There was no big fanfare. There was no big event. There wasn't. We just woke up and said, wow, they're not making movies about nuclear bombs anymore. It was just over. But do you know what happened immediately after that? Revivals broke out in Russia in Poland, in Czechoslovakia. All these nations that couldn't have the gospel, all of a sudden, people are flooding the, the nations that are coming in. See, one, right, is an understanding of praying into the prophetic plan of God. The other is praying in a basis of fear. Okay? So, how many believe that God loves the North Koreans? See, God, I believe God loves the North Koreans. Okay? Now, a little history lesson. In 1949, there was a communist revolution that took place in China. They took over China. By 1953, there were no missionaries in China. And this anti-God communist system was trying to be spread across the entire Asian, Asian continent. It was trying to be spread into the Koreas. In 1940, there was the beginning of a revival that was breaking out in Korea. And would you believe it? There was the United States that stepped in to stop the overflow of communism, and Korea was divided in half. Now, South Korea, right, the revival continued and exploded. Right? Some 25% or so of South Koreans are believers in the gospel. 
Now, the South Koreans, ready for this? South Korea is one of the richest countries in the world now. Before, they were completely impoverished. Now, it's the 11th richest country in the entire world. My phone, which I don't have on me, is a Samsung phone. Where is that made? That was made in South Korea. Uh, this is not an LG TV, but if you had an LG TV, that's made in South Korea. If you have a Kia car, it's made in South Korea. South Korea is blessed. North Korea is starving. North Korea is in the middle of a situation. And I believe things are getting ready to take place because I really believe there's going to be a revival coming. History is repeating itself. We have a man that ran for president. And people said, he can't run the country. We shouldn't touch them. God sets up kings. Right? God sets up kings. God sets up situations. Now, granted, he's not your normal politician. Right? We have a very young, naive leader in, in North Korea. You know, he needs a new haircut. You know, that guy. He thinks, naively, he thinks he can out-tweet the president. So he sends out a tweet. I've got a bomb button. Well, you know, Trump, I don't know how to explain it for people. Because people ask me all the time what I think about Trump. Here's, what I, here's the best way I can explain it. He's like one of these guys. It's like, okay, I had this old lady that I used to take out. And, um, you know, when, when you get to a certain age, you have, like, no filter. Right? And, and you take him out to a restaurant. and The coffee's cold. My, I ordered my food 11 minutes ago. Like, you're, like, terrified to be out in public with this person. This is Donald Trump. No filter Trump, right, sends out a tweet. I've got a bigger bomb button, and my bomb button works. The world is going crazy. The media is building up the hysteria. It's building up this whole antagonism. You ready? Three weeks after that, there's a, a bomb alert. There's a tweet that goes out. The North Koreans have just fired a nuclear missile. It's going to land in Hawaii in 25 minutes. Hawaiians thought they were going to die. The, the governor apologized. He said, look, I don't know how the tweet went out, but I forgot my Twitter password. <laughs> Couldn't delete the tweets. What was happening? God was using a war and a rumor of war to really shake Hawaiians. What would have happened if you only had 25 minutes left to live? Okay? See, if you understand what's happening, you'll allow the situation to understand, hey, God's got a plan for North Korea. God uses kings and uses people we don't understand. But God's plan is going to be fulfilled. So are you going to start praying now for the revival in North Korea? Because, see, I think what's going to happen in the near future, some, some, a thing that we don't understand... The Berlin Wall came down. We didn't understand what happened. I think what's going to happen is this demilitarized zone that separates North Korea and South Korea happens. The, South, the North Koreans that have been starving are going to walk for the first time into South Korea. And they're going to see these giant buildings. And they're going to see these people that are throwing away food. And they're going to ask a very simple question. How is it that you're so blessed and we've been starving? 25 percent of them could say, "Well, you know, I, I believe in Jesus. Maybe I should believe in Jesus." 
That's what's going to happen. God has got a plan. Now, so now I've kind of set you up for a stage because, you know, I live in this tiny little country. You know, we're, we're surrounded by 500 million Muslims that love us to death. And everyone can really freak out about everything's taking place. Right? But I want to explain something. God has actually got a plan. The, the Bible not only talks about the restoration of Israel, it actually talks about the restoration of Egypt. It actually talks about the restoration of Assyria. It says, blessed is by people Egypt and Assyria, the work of my, uh, my hands. And Israel, my inheritance. The God's got a plan for the entire Middle East. Now, I don't have time to talk about the entire Middle East. But I will talk about what I think is happening next. I think the next event is actually going to be taking place in Iran. We have the situation now. Everything seems to be really intense in Iran. But most people don't realize there's actually two things happening in Iran. There's one revolution that's saying death to America and death to Israel. But inside of Iran, there's a counter-revolution. They started chanting death to Palestine. Right? They, they, were, they were starting to chant death to the dictator. About a month ago, the, the protest against the government was so strong that they turned off the internet and there was a massacre in the streets of Iran. We don't know how bad that was. But there's a revolution taking place. Now, in the Bible, it doesn't say Iran. It does use the word Elam, E-L-A-M. Elam is this orange area. If you see the orange area, it's actually inside the modern state of Iran. Now, the Bible talks about Elam in, in Jeremiah. It says, Behold the Lord of hosts, I will break the bow of Elam. And it talks about a mass disbursement. It says, And I'll bring upon Elam the four winds from the four quarters of heaven, and they will scatter them to all those winds. And there's no nation shall, which those are driven out of Elam shall not come. So it talks about a mass diaspora. Diaspora is when people flee a nation. That's what happened to the Jewish people in 70 AD when the temple was destroyed. The, the diaspora took place. The Jewish people were scattered across the world. It actually talks about this. And, and this is a Migration Policy Institute, which is basically that, it's a, a, it's a foundation that studies people coming and going. Well, it talks about in Iran there was a mass diaspora. In the article it says, look, it was because of the Islamic Revolution that took place in 1978-1979, because of this theocracy, prompted the largest emigration. Emigration is when people come to your nation. Emigration is when people flee your nation. Right? So now let's continue on. It says, look, verse 37, I will bring disaster upon them. My fierce anger declares the Lord. I will send the sword after them until I consume them. And if you stop there, he said, there's a war coming. There's a war coming, but not for the purpose that you think. God's not trying to destroy them. God is trying to redeem them. Look, and I will set up my throne in Elam. God is trying to set up his throne in every tribe, nation, and tongue. He's actually, what does he have to do? He has to destroy the kings and their officials. Why does not revival just break out in, in Iran? Well, because the mullahs and the Ayatollah Khomeini, they have such an Islamic theocracy going on, that if you believe this Bible that we believe, you're thrown in jail. So God has absolutely has to deal with them. So when you read about Donald Trump taking out a general, it's actually prophetic. Just don't tell him that. He doesn't need any more ego, bro. But we have to understand that some things are talking about. What is, what is happening? This is how we know this is a prophecy of the last days. This is in the latter days. That word, in the latter days, is a phrase in Hebrew. is achri hayamim. It literally means in the end of the end of days. 
This is used talking about the Jewish people coming back to the land. It's used when talking about the Lord establishing his house on top of the mountains. And the, the Torah shall go forth from Jerusalem in Isaiah 2. It's used talking about the Gog-Magog war. And it's used here. God is not trying to destroy Iran. Look what he's saying. He says, I will restore the fortunes of Iran. See, there's actually a revival taking place in Iran. There was 100,000 believers in 1994, and now there's 3 million believers. There's a massive explosion of the gospel taking place. But I fear what's happening is that we allow the media and we allow the world to dictate who we are. We're kings and priests on the Most High God, right? We're called to intercede. We're called to understand our prophetic role, right? See... Most people are dealing with what I call the, the Jonah complex. Now, people will say, what's the Jonah complex? You will not find it anywhere. This is me trying to explain something. Jonah was the prophet that was swallowed up by a great fish. And we know the story. Most people never study the context of Jonah. Jonah lived during the time of the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrians were like the terrorists of terrorists. They were the ones that came up with the idea of crucifixion. They would go ahead, they would target those people that were the troublemakers. Mr. Dennis Carp, I'm just saying. He would be the first one in this room to be up. Praise God. God. And and the reason why is because they would want every one of you to be under fear. See, they they this is how they ruled. They ruled with this 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 fear mandate. So in Jonah's day, who would they be the people that they would be crucified? Wouldn't you think they would be taking the prophets? The, the friends of Jonah, right? The other thing that happened during the Assyrians was they were the ones that actually caused the ten tribes of Israel to disperse. Now, when we hear this tribe, the lost ten tribes of Israel, it happened during the Assyrian Empire. See, the Assyrians were very interesting. They, they realized their, their, their empire spread from all the way from Egypt all the way into basically Iran and all across the Middle East. It was so big that their armies couldn't control such a vast area. So you know what they did? They picked up towns. They picked up a town in the Galilee and put it into Iran. Take a town in Iran and put it into Israel. Take another town and put it into Egypt. Take another town in Egypt and put it into... And so by the time that Yeshua came, the Galilee was so full of people that weren't Israelis. They weren't Jews. Where did they come from? How did they get there? It came from the Assyrians. That's why the, Jew, that's why the rabbi said, what good thing could come out of the Galilee? Because it was so full of pagans. When, when Yeshua casts out, out of the demoniac, out of legion, it goes into a herd of swine. That's not a Jewish farmer, people. Where did that pig farmer come from? It came from the Assyrians. Okay, So let me put you the, into context. Here is Jonah. God says, you need to go to Nineveh. God, don't you know they're terrorists? God, don't you realize they've taken our people, the land that you promised us, the land of milk and honey that you promised, and put us into pagan lands. And worse than that, God, they've taken these pagans and they brought their idols and they brought them into land. They polluted the land, God. You don't want me to go to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh is east. God, Jonah goes to, to Tarshish, goes to Joppa to go to Tarshish. Tarshish is in Spain, people. God says, go east. He's going west. And he ain't just going west. He run all the way to the end of the world. Now, we know what happens. Look, if you got swallowed up by a great fish, and you were sitting there for three days and three nights in the belly of a fish with all the, the whale guts and stuff, you know, you change your mind too. 
He goes. He preaches. This is the only place in the Bible where I ever found where a prophet actually preached the word and the entire city came to faith. He actually led the greatest revival in the world. And he says, oh God, it's better for me to die than to live. He actually led the greatest revival and said, God, will you just please kill me? And look, he said, God says, should I not pity into those that don't know their right hand from their left? See, I believe what can happen is we can get so caught up. They're calling death to America, God. You need to wipe them out. God, they're calling death to Israel, God. You need to wipe them out. They're calling for the destruction of the, the Holy Land. God, you need to wipe them out. And not even realize you're dealing with the same thing that Jonah was dealing with. And, not, and, and, and that subtle thing can happen. Listen, we're live and we're seeing the books opened. Look what happened to Daniel. Daniel opened up the book of Jeremiah and said, look, oh, we're coming back home. Seventy years are determined. I'm coming back home. Does Daniel say, oh, you know what? Since we're going home, maybe I should pack my bags. Look, I realize we see all the prophecies all opened up. We realize that we're almost home. It's not time to pack your bags, people. It's time to understand what Daniel did. Daniel, when he saw this, he said, you know what? I'm going to start praying into the prophetic word. I'm going to pray. Look what he does. The, the, the prophet. I guarantee you, probably didn't need to repent. Not like we do. What is Daniel? He's repenting in sackcloth and ashes with fasting. He's interceding for the nation. He actually takes his understanding of where he was in prophecy. He says, I'm jumping into the prophecy. I'm fulfilling it. And what happens is, when he actually starts doing this, there's a war that breaks out in heaven. From the first day, this is Gabriel talking to Daniel in the next chapter. He says, from the first day, you set your heart to understand... What happens is there was a, a, a battle that takes place. Gabriel's fighting the prince of Persia, which is modern-day Iran. Gabriel's not fighting a person. He's fighting a principality. And the principalities are fighting, and they're fighting for 21 days until Michael the archangel came to assist him. Daniel, taking upon himself, understanding where he was in prophecy, was praying into the prophetic word. It was actually creating a war. And in this war, it was to help us understand what would happen to your people in the end of the end of days. See, we have a role. We're all called to be watchmen. Look at the prophetic role for us is. I've established watchmen on your walls of Jerusalem. And they shall never be silent. They who know, though you who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest and give him no rest until what? Until he establishes Jerusalem as it makes it a praise on the earth. When you pray for the peace of Jerusalem, you that love him will be blessed. But when you pray for the peace of Jerusalem, what you're really praying for is saying, Lord, peace is only going to come when the Sar Shalom comes back, when the Prince of Peace comes back. You're actually praying for your will be done, that kingdom come. You're actually praying the Lord come back. You're actually entering into your understanding of the prophetic word. You're praying into what? The salvation of Israel. You're praying into the salvation of the world. See, you're all alive for such a time as this. You're in this room for such a time as this. God's prophetic plan is going to happen with or without you. Mordecai says to Esther, look, if you don't rise up, don't worry. Deliverance will come from another place. But the question is, have I explained to you your prophetic role?
so that you can understand that you won't be freaked out by all the events that are taking place, but that you can actually start praying into what God has already said he's going to do. He's already going to restore North Korea. He's already going to restore Iran. He's already going to restore Egypt. He's already going to restore, you know, the nations around it. He's already going to restore Israel. He's going to do it with or without you. The question is, will you jump into the plan like Daniel did? We say, hey, I understand my prophetic role in these days. I have a purpose now. I'm going to go ahead and intercede. Like you've never interceded before. It's 2020, people. It is a new year. It is a new decade. It is an understanding of who we are. We're kings and priests of the Most High God. We're called to shake up. We're called to walk around with a little bit of hood in our step. We're called to take down walls. These walls that people can't see, we're called to start tearing down these strongholds. That's who we are. See, it's not the end of the world. It's the beginning of a kingdom. It's an understanding of who we are and how we're to intercede. Will you do it? That's the question. So, Abba, Father, I ask you, Lord, that you would seal this word. I ask you, Father, that you would place in the heart of every person here a heart of intercession, Father. And, Father, I ask you, Lord, that you would renew um, and, and refresh everyone. May they walk in a fresh spirit of repentance, Father. Start interceding for this nation. Start interceding for the revival you got coming across the world. And so, Father, we praise you, Abba, and we thank you. B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen and amen. Amen. Not bad for a Baltimore on. <laughs> Were you blessed? Have you ever listened so fast in your life? I want to remind you that there's a basket there for a love offering for George and Bot and the family. My check's already in there. If you were blessed, if you were, if something was revealed to you today that you've never understood before, if, if somehow you know how to pray in a different way than you ever thought you needed to pray before, I think you need to thank God by blessing the messenger. Amen? Amen. Would you please stand?